I'm thankful that He does love us. Um, but this morning we will uh, be reading out of Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. It'll be the scripture, kind of focusing on those last few verses. Um, but we're going you'll give the context into the scripture. Um, but today I want us to talk about the barriers to obedience. Right? We understand. We've talked about in other sermons and throughout my home ministry here, or maybe in private conversations in Sunday school, whatever it may be, the importance of being obedient. The Lord and being obedient to the Father, what He commands us to through His Holy Spirit dealing with us, or, or what Scripture teaches us to do, or, or the things that we just know to do, right? To know to do good and to do it not to Him. It is a, a sin, Scripture tells us. And, and obedience is something that we need to, to understand. Obedience is not something that we like to think about. We don't, we don't like to think that we are obedient people. We usually use that term to, to talk about animals or maybe children. But do we not know that the Bible says that we are the children of God, and thus we need to be obedient to the Father, right? The Creator of heaven and earth, the Creator and Savior of our our souls, but there are barriers in our life that keep us or hinder us that we allow to keep us from being obedient to the Father, from being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do or to encourage us or challenge us to do. And we see these in Peter's life, who is the, the individual that we are about to read about here in Acts chapter 10. But as we continue through Acts chapter 10, and, and like we said in the first sermon we preached here in this book, the, the understanding that the Holy Spirit is a work is working in a life in His people is clearly evident throughout all the book of Acts. It is basically the theme, the main idea, the topic, what we can always look at about every book, of the, every chapter, every verse of the book of Acts points to the Holy Spirit as alive and well and working. And we see that once again in Acts chapter 10. But like I mentioned, there are many things in our life that are barriers from us allowing it to work and allowing it to encourage us and show us what we need to do and us being obedient to that. Amen. So Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16 will be our scripture that we read from this morning. If you want to read in your scripture Bible or if you want to read here on screen, we'll have it here. But let's read and see what this scripture has for us. It starts like this. It says this. It says, The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, which we know is about noon, right? Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they were while they made ready, he fell into a trance, saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up, taken up into heaven. Again, this chapter starts with a man called Cornelius, which is a Roman, that says that he was a good man, right? And that he had some understanding, some knowledge, some desire to know Christ, to follow Christ, or, or at least held him in great, great esteem, right? And it says that an angel came to him and told Cornelius, said, Cornelius, send some men, send them down here to this place at this time, during, during you know, this part of the day, go and, and seek out Peter and bring him to you. And he, Cornelius would be into that, and that's where we pick up. And it says that at about this time that, that Peter was up and he was hungry, so they started making food. He went up to the top of the roof. He well, went to a trance-like state during his prayer and, and uh, during this time that he had this vision appear to him. We understand that after this time, though, that, that Cornelius appeared, or Cornelius' people came to, the, came to the house and asked for Peter. And they taught me and talked to Peter and invite Peter to come here. Now, Cornelius, we understand, was a Gentile. 
right? And, and Gentiles and Jews did not rub elbows very well together. They did what they had to in trade and in commerce and things like that, but it was not really something that they interacted very well together. But Peter goes with Cornelius and begins to talk with them and everything, and they have they have service, basically. It's what kind of happens. And Cornelius and his whole household receives the Lord, worships Him, and, and God just moves in a mighty way. And that's kind of what happens in Acts chapter 10. But I want us to look at this period here with Peter. And I want us to understand that there are barriers to even Peter here in this moment. Because here in this moment he says, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. What we need to understand is that in this scripture, in these few verses, that God himself gives Peter clear instruction on what to do. Yet Peter is saying, hey, I can't do that. Peter's saying, I can't obey that. I won't obey that. I can't obey that. But there's some different things that we look at Peter's life that caused him to resist being obedient to the Lord, resist doing what God had called him to, resist giving in and allowing God to work in his life just at the first glance, right? He did not. He questioned him, died three times, it says there. And there's three things that we can look at in Peter's life that kind of hinders him and hinders us from doing what it is that God wants us to do. And the first one I want to talk about is the barrier of tradition, right? Peter's vision challenged his understanding, his adherence, his belief, of the Jewish understanding of what was right to eat and what was good to eat. If you look at the Torah, specifically Leviticus, there are many rules, many laws given about what Jewish people could eat. We consider it kosher, right? Kosher means it does not have certain products, or does not come from a certain place, does not have any kind of connection to what would be considered common or unclean. We talk about a cloven hoof, we talk about things that chew on a cud, we talk about the shellfish, all kinds of different things that they were prohibited and not supposed to eat. And it was a big deal, right? It was something that the Jewish people took very seriously at that time and in that season, during Jesus' life and Peter's life, that there were certain things we do not eat, we do not touch, we do not even get close to, these things are unclean. To touch them, to take part in them, you'd have to go through a whole process to be made clean again because you'd be made unclean by interacting, touching, eating, or, or taking in these items in any way, fashion, or form, right? And Peter says, man, Lord, you know, probably viewed this as a temptation, right? Probably viewed this as some way that, you know, I can't do this. This is wrong for me to do. He says, Lord, you know what I've done all my life and what my father did all his life and what my grandfather did all his life, the people that I was raised around, the people I spent my time with, the people that I love, the people that I cherish, the people that I respect, the people that, people that I honor, we don't do this. We've never done this. So Lord, I'm not going to do this. Lord, I can't do this. But he is so, having such high esteem of this understanding, of this tradition, of this law, of this rule, that was prohibiting him and being a barrier for him to be obedient to the Lord. And he's telling him, he's saying, Peter, we're getting to a place, and in, in your walk, we're getting to the place with, my, with this religion that we're starting, that we are moving outside of what you've already known. Outside of what you've already experienced. Outside of all these things that you think you know, and you think you understand, and you think you're right. We are moving beyond that because I'm God, and I wrote those things in the first place, but now we're going to move on into something else. He says, I fulfilled the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy it, but I came to fulfill it. That's what he told me in other scriptures. And he says, I want you to understand that we don't need to have these barriers of tradition. Because sometimes there's things that we need to just look at and evaluate and say, is this really what God wants for my life? Or is it hindering me from moving into what God wants us to do? Maybe we were raised in a place where we just don't cry, 
Right? We've never cried. Mom and Daddy never cried. We never saw anybody cry. We never broke down and just cried out to the Lord, been old, been just feeble and just been meek and been humble before Him. And just so we don't do that. That's the tradition that we hold. We don't cry in church. We don't cry when we pray. We don't cry. And it hinders us. The Lord says, I want you just to be vulnerable with me. I want you to be open with me. I want you to let down those barriers and you say, I, I just don't do that, Lord. I've never, I've never cried. I've never allowed that to happen. Maybe we just don't like to just let, her, let, just let loose and let the Lord worship, worship the Lord, give Him the praise that He's deserving of because we've never been in service where people raise their hands. We've never been in a situation where people just worshiped Him and gave Him praise. We just always just kind of, we just understand that this is what we do and this is what we've always done. This is what I want to continue to do. And so it's hard to get past that tradition of just sitting there and being a, a, a spectator instead of being somebody that's involved in worshiping the Lord. And we just don't allow us to go past that tradition. That barrier of tradition, whether it be the songs that we sing, the things that we do, how we interact with all these different kind of stuff, we allow traditions to prohibit and keep us from being obedient to the Lord. We allow things that we hold so dearly to keep us from taking the steps that God wants us to take, yet we say we want to, we want to be obedient to the Lord, but we allow these traditions, we allow certain things that we hold dearly that maybe aren't scriptural, but maybe it's because mom and daddy did it, and grandpa and grandpa did it, and everybody that we've ever known has done it. It's something we hold in great esteem. But when the Lord says, do this, we say, I can't because of this. That's what Peter said. It was God himself that said, take, eat, kill, and eat, Peter. And Peter says, I can't because of what I've always thought, of what I've always believed, of what I've always been, been told, of how things have always been presented to me and how I've always interpreted things. I can't do that because of this barrier that is in my life. And won't let me be obedient to you. Let's just start out with this. Anything that keeps you from being obedient to God is not something that is holy and righteous and that you need. If it causes you to tell the Lord no, you don't need it. If it makes you feel like you can't be obedient to the Lord about something, you don't need it. If it makes you feel like you can't approach the Lord and do what He has asked you to, then you don't need it. And that needs to be taken down and it needs to be removed. And the barrier of tradition is something that we struggle with many times. And it's people that things that people outside in the world struggle with because they've been taught these traditions and they think it keeps them. We talked about in Sunday school about how there's so many people through their understanding of Scripture and their understanding of what it means to be saved, it keeps them because, away from church because they feel unworthy because of some previously held tradition. And it's a barrier to them being obedient when the Holy Spirit calls them. It says, go to church. Go and hear my word. Go and hear preaching. And they say, well, I don't have this. I don't have a dress. I can't go to church. I don't have a button-up shirt. I don't have a long sleeve shirt. I just got my hair cut. I just did this. I just did that. I can't go to church because of this previously held tradition. And if that tradition hinders you from being obedient to the Lord, get rid of that tradition. Because it's not of God. There's traditional things that are holy, that are righteous, that are spiritual, that are scriptural, that are biblically sound. There's many things that are just hindrances to us being obedient to the Lord. And it's just something that we've held and it's something we need to let go of. Peter could have said, Lord, I ain't going to kill and eat. I ain't going to take anything that is uncommon or unclean. And Cornelius' people come and he says, no, you just need to go away because I've never touched anything unclean. I've never sat at a table with somebody that's common. I've never sat with anybody that's a Gentile. This is what we do. This is what we've always done. And I'm never going to break that. Even though scripturally, and even though everything Jesus taught me while he was on this earth goes against that, I'm still going to hold this tradition over what he has commanded me to do. 
and just turn those people away. And they would have never heard the preached word of the Lord. And they would have never heard the gospel. And they would have never been saved. Because of what? Because Peter valued tradition over obedience. And he said, the Lord said, I, he said, Peter, so it's about to happen. You don't know it yet. But he said, I know that there's, there's this barrier of tradition that you've been raised with. In the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they've taught you this. And your mommy and daddy, they have taught you this. And everybody has told you this. But Peter, think about what I've taught you. Think about what I have showed you. Think about how I've made you new. Kill and eat. And when Cornelius' people come, go with them. And share that table with them. And break that bread with them. It's not against what I want you to be obedient to me. Be obedient to me. We have that barrier of tradition. That... That holds us back from being obedient to the Lord. And we sit there and Peter thought he was righteous because he said, I ain't going to do that because that disobeys you, Lord. No, no, no. He was being disobedient because he thought he knew better than God. He thought his tradition was better than obedience in the moment to what God has called you to do. The barrier of tradition is something that we must break down. He says, he says for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. No doubt, soon, just like many of us with things, as soon as he saw those animals, he already had them categorized. He already had them sorted. Well, that one has a cloven hoof, and that one doesn't. That one chews cud, and that one doesn't. That fist has scales, and that one doesn't. And he already had it categorized. And he's like, Lord, I can't take care, take all that. And the Lord said, no. Be obedient to me more than you're obedient to to your traditions, the things that you hold dear, the things that you hold in high esteem, the things that you've been taught, understand that if it's not of God, if it keeps you from being obedient to God, it's not good. Right? Let's go on. And the barrier of fear. And understand this. We're going to break down Peter's life right now. Peter would have told you he's not afraid to eat those animals. He would have told you that it wasn't like he was scared of going out and killing a horse or killing this or killing that or, or getting this fish or getting a clam and opening it up. He wasn't afraid of that. But if you understand Peter's life, what you will quickly understand is that Peter had a fear of the Jewish Christians and being rejected by them. He did. He was afraid that anything that he did that went against what they thought was right would get him expelled, would get him treated poorly, would get him in the same place that Christ was. Get him in the same place that Christ was. How do we know that? Galatians chapter 2, I think it's verse 12. says this. This is Paul talking to the church, uh, the Galatian church. And he said, we just had an interaction basically with Peter up in Jerusalem. We had a big meeting and everything about how the Gentiles are supposed to be treated. And we, we have this instance here. And he says, Peter basically, he's, he's giving an indictment of Peter. Saying Peter's not doing what the Lord wants him to do. He says, I've been meeting with you, the church of Galatia, church of Philippi, all these other churches that are Gentiles. He says, I know and I've experienced it and I've been with you. And here we have Peter though. And he says, for Peter, he, he regularly ate with the Gentiles. Before certain men came from James. And however, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Here's the big deal that was going on. Just to give you the, the quick overview. At that time, there was a big debate on what Gentiles could and couldn't participate in, in, the, in this new faith. At this point, understand, Jesus didn't die and the Christian faith started. That's not how it worked out. At this point, they were just a subsect of the Jewish culture, the Jewish religion, 
that believed that Christ was the promised Messiah. We weren't Christians until a century or so later, right? It wasn't even an established thing. There wasn't a hierarchy. There wasn't positions. There wasn't titles. There wasn't things like that for at least a century. So they were just a part of the Jewish people. And here we see Peter, or there in that time, he goes and sits with them. Maybe this is after he deals with Cornelius. But then some Jewish Christians, which were the ones that James, the brother of Jesus, kind of oversaw was the church of Jerusalem. They came and said, Peter, you ought not be doing this. Don't you know you're bringing reproach to the Lord? Don't you know you're bringing reproach? Don't you know these Gentiles, they're supposed to get circumcised. They're supposed to follow the, every law. They're supposed to do everything that, they're, that they're, we're supposed to do. Don't you know, Peter, that this is, this is wrong? Peter's like, well, I don't want to be rejected by these people. I don't want them to turn me out. I don't want them to say bad things about me. I don't want them to think bad of me. I don't want them to, to say that I'm not good or I'm not a good person or not listen to my sermons or not do this or do that. So I'm just going to... I'm going to do what they, they want me to. This mentality, this fear was instilled within Peter. We see that. He had a fear of disobeying the Jewish law and angering Jewish Christians. And that initially made him hesitate when it came to being obedient to what the Lord was calling him to do here on top of this roof. Because he's like, what will people think if they find out I do this? What will people think if they find out that I took of these animals, that I ate of these things that I know that we're not supposed to. What will people think if they know I went to Cornelius' house? What will people think if they knew I break bread with a Gentile? What will they think if they knew I worshipped with a Gentile? What will they think if I prayed with a Gentile? If I did this and that, what will people think? Will they reject me? Will they hate me? Will they dislike me? Will they turn me out? Will they not want anything to do with me? And that fear was a barrier to him being obedient to what God had called him to do. To being obedient Lord. And the enemy will make you think, what will people think if I go to the altar? What will people think if I raise my hand? If I sing a little louder than I normally do? If I cry when the Lord moves? What will people think if I humble myself? If I confess my sins? If I Get vulnerable and tell people about what I struggle with. What will people think if I do that? What will what will my family think if I share the Lord with them? What will my friends think if I post this scripture? What will my coworkers think if I bow my head and pray when it's time to eat? What will the strangers in the store think if I share the gospel with somebody who's downtrodden or in a bad place? What will they think? Here's the reality. It matters what God thinks, not what others think. Or the same. And basically, don't value the opinion of those that you wouldn't have asked for it in the first place. And if we go to the Lord, and that's who we should go to, about guidance, about wisdom, for anything and everything, then it's His opinion of our actions that we should care more about than anybody else in the world. Yet we find ourselves being disobedient to the Lord because, well, what will people think if I go and talk to that alcoholic? Or if I invite that drug addict to, to a meal. Or if I tell that person that runs around and everybody knows that, that this one does this, that, and the other, and that just like the woman in Samaria, she's got five or six husbands, and, and this one isn't. What, if I told her about Jesus, what will, what will people think? What would the Lord think if we don't? What would the Lord think if we did? If we disobeyed Him? If we rejected His call to be obedient? What would the Lord thing. And that fear of, of man has hindered so many of us at times from being obedient 
to what it is that God has, has called us to do. And that fear of being rejected many times has hindered us from doing what it is that God has, has required us to do. That fear of what people will say, of what they will think, of how they will treat us, of, of how it will change this relationship or, or change this interaction or change the way that, that people want to be around us, if they want to be around us at all, that hinders and is a barrier. And what did we say at first? Anything that keeps you from being obedient to the Lord is unnecessary and on the border of being sinful in and of itself. And it needs to be removed. If it's a tradition or if it's fear of man, if it keeps you from being obedient to the Lord, you don't need it. You don't need it. We have to understand that obedience to the Lord is more important than any other anything that appeals to us in this world. Being obedient to Him should be our priority in life. To be obedient to Him. So there's that barrier of tradition, of previously held beliefs and understandings and thoughts and opinions. And then also the fear of other men's opinions of us. That'll change. Of what will happen if we did do that. If we were obedient. How people treat us. But there's also the barrier of pride. Okay, I want you to remember, you might say, well, Peter wasn't a prideful person. Nay, nay. When the Lord said, He said, I want to die. Went through all that. He said, Lord, I won't reject you. I'll never leave you. He says, I would die for your sake. You might say, well, that's brave and great to say. When looking at the rest of the situation, it was Peter's pride that was talking. Pride that he thought he could go through whatever the Lord was going to go through. Pride that thought that he could deal with whatever came his way. Pride that thought within himself he had it figured out and that he could be a good, godly, holy man. But push comes to shove and, and it showed that Peter was a whole lot weaker than he, than he thought he was. And the same is true with us. But, but the reality is, is that there's many times in our life where with tradition, it's, we've just never done that. With that fear, it's just we're afraid to do that. But with pride, it's just we won't do that. I won't go see that person. And I won't raise my hand. And I won't sing that song. And I won't be vulnerable. And I won't worship the Lord. And I won't get excited when the Spirit moves. And I won't be thrilled when he comes by my way. And I won't do this and I won't do that because I'm too prideful to do that. Tradition just you never have. And you don't know maybe what it looks like to do that. Fear is just you're afraid to. Pride just says, I ain't going to. And that's just as bad, if not worse, than the others. Because obedient, disobeying because you've always thought something else. At least, you know, there's that in the back of your head. Disobedience because you're afraid. We all deal with fear. But being prideful and allowing your pride that you know better, that you know best, to keep you from being obedient. The Bible says he hates a proud look. He hates a proud look. Pride is a, is a dangerous barrier to being obedient to the Lord. Pride, when we allow it to dissuade us and keep us from stepping out in faith, doing what God wants us to do, is is dangerous and damaging not only to us, but to, to those that are around us. There should be nothing 
that when we commit our lives to the Lord, that we ever say that we won't do for Him. Because we should have the faith and confidence knowing that He will never call us to do anything that He wouldn't want us to do in the first place. That if He's asked you to do it, it's because He wants you to do it. It's not some trick. I told, I think it was the preteens on Wednesday, I said, God's not some tricky God that's trying to set up faults for you and set up stumbling blocks for you. It's, I want to call you to do this, but if you do it, you're going to be punished. No, if He calls you to do it, it's because He wants you to do it. So just, just do it. But we sit there in our pews, we sit there in our homes, we sit there walking through the grocery store, wherever it may be, and we just say, I won't do that. I just won't. It's hard for any kids sometimes. We ask them, why don't you want to do that? I just don't. They can't even give you a good answer. Man, we as children are likened unto children so many times that we have strayed and so many times that we have done things. And you may ask somebody later, why wouldn't you do this? I don't know. I just didn't want to. And I won't do it. I just won't. I won't do that thing that God has asked me to do. I won't do that thing that Scripture tells me to do. I won't live the life that I know God wants me to do. And I won't do the things that I know He's called me to do. And I won't do the things the Holy Spirit asked me to do. I just just won't. Because we're too proud to. Too full of pride to. Too much of a know-it-all that we think we've got it all figured out to. And we just won't. It's time that we will. It's time that we will do what He's asked us to. It's time that we will be obedient. It's time that we will obey Him. It's time that we will humble ourselves and allow God to have full control and authority over our own lives. It's, it's time that we, not that we won't, but that we we will. How long have you been in, I, in, a, in an I won't cease? How long have you held an I won't mindset, an I won't attitude? We need to understand that that's the things that, thing that kills families. It kills churches and it kills God moving in communities because we we won't. And God says, if you won't, someone will. If you won't, someone will. Guess what? I have no question, no doubt about it. Thor had confidence in Peter, right? It's like, I've worked with you, Peter. Well, I'll get you there. We'll get you across the line, right? We sat on the lake shore, and it took a couple of times where I finally convinced you you're going to feed my sheep. I, I've got you to that point. I know I can get you there. But if you don't, I'll go to Philip, and maybe, and he will. Or I'll go to Andrew, and and he will. I'll go to Matthias, and, and he will. If you won't, Peter, there's somebody else that will. If we won't, Someone will. Someone will be obedient. Someone will humble themselves and do what it is that God has commanded them to do. Someone will remove that barrier and do the thing that God has asked them to do. I want you to, for a second, as we get into fall time, right? Seasons changing, planting's gone, and harvest has come. I want you to think for a moment back to spring going through Walmart or Lowe's, wherever it is, and, and see the lines of, of apple trees or whatever it may be. Little, just little things that just started in a small bucket. 
But the bucket was big enough for that time, for that season, for them to grow in. But it, if you leave them in that bucket, it'll never produce fruit. It won't. You say, well, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, maybe if I tend to it, maybe if I love it, maybe if I try, maybe if I try harder, maybe if I give it everything I've got, that bucket will be enough. That bucket will never be enough. It will always be a barrier to it producing fruit. So there comes a time with every tree, or if you've got even plants, right? That if you want it to continue to grow, you must remove the barriers of the pot and put it in a place that it can continue to grow in. And we as Christians, I hope, pray and seek that the Lord would help us to grow, would help us to reach more people, would help us to have a bigger impact in our families, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, that we pray that we could become more like and unto God, that, that we would spread out branches and produce fruit. I, pr- I hope that is our prayer. Yet we will pray that prayer and remain in our pot. We will pray that par- prayer and, and leave the barriers up. And we ask, Lord, why ain't I growing? Because that barriers of that pot have never been removed. And there ain't no room for you to become any more than you already are. You're an immature ungrowing, unfruitful Christian because you've not removed the pot yet. And you've not placed yourself, the Bible says, as a tree that is planted by the, the waters. It's time that those barriers of tradition, of fear of man, of all these things that we've talked about, of pride, and no doubt there's others. It's time that those barriers are removed and we allow ourselves to be planted and the fertile ground that God has prepared, prepared so that we may produce fruit. You could have a nursery full of saplings. And they're beautiful. And they're great in springtime. You go back in fall, though, and they've not grown too much. You even put them in a greenhouse through winter, and they've not grown too much. You may think, well, springtime's come. Surely they'll bear fruit now. And you go back, and they've not grown because they're still in the pot. And they're still buried. Why do you not grow as an individual? Or do you feel like your family is not flourishing? Or do you feel like you're having an, not having an impact in the community? It's because as long as those barriers are up, you won't be obedient to God. And you won't grow unless you're obedient to God. You won't. You won't. If every single day and every single moment you disobey Him and you are, are just completely ignorant of what He's wanting you to do and not listening and not being faithful and not being obedient, you won't grow. Faith won't be broken, but you won't grow. And if you can't grow, you won't bear fruit. We must break down the barriers that are in our life that keep us from being obedient to the Lord. Because it's those barriers that keep us from growing. Being the people that God wants us to be and bearing fruit. So what is your barrier? What is the barrier to you being obedient to the Lord? You might say, I don't know. Think about it. Just for, for a moment. The last time that God asked you to do something, the last time there was a sermon that preached your heart, the last time that you heard a testimony that preached your heart, and you're like, God wants me to do that. What was it that stopped you? That's your barrier. After thinking, I should do that, what was the next thought that came in your head? Well, I can't because of this. Or I can't because of that. Or I can't because of this thing or that thing or the other thing. That's your barrier. Remove the pot. 
Remove the barrier and allow yourself to grow into the person that God wants you to be. There's barriers. There's walls. There's things that are hindering you and hindering the working of the Holy Spirit through your life. And the Lord said, Peter, I know you have these barriers, so I'll tell you once and I'll tell you again and I'll tell you again and we'll break down those barriers so that you're obedient to what I've commanded you to do so that when Cornelius' people show up, you don't reject them, you don't turn them away, you do what is commanded of you. But we've got to get these barriers broken down. We've got to get these barriers broken down. So what is your barrier? Whatever it is that maybe on your heart this morning, whatever it is that you may have brought in with you, whatever it is that you may be dealing with, whatever wall that's there and you keep pushing against it and you keep fighting it, and maybe you just need to realize that instead of just trying to get through it, you need to just break it down. It's time to break those things down and remove them from your life. Whatever it is, you can come to the altar and you can talk to the Lord about it. You can ask Him for wisdom, for guidance, for strength. You can ask Him, Lord, just remove it. Because I can't do it myself. And then allow Him to do that in your life. Allow Him to do that in your life. If you have a need to come, please do.